Today's story is part two of Skater Man by John Blackmore and is found in A Physicist's Guide to Love, Another Natural Phenomenon, available on Amazon. In part two, French athlete Alain has triumphed in the subway as the silver skater. He heads to the tip of Manhattan to see the Statue of Liberty and is met by the woman who gave him the ride from Lake Placid. In the special Liberty Hotel suite, they learn a lesson together about love and relationships. The lobby of the Ritz-Carlton had red couches the color of Beaujolais. Alain felt profoundly relieved when he came through the golden doors of the hotel, as if this had always been his home. He sank into the plush cushions, and for the first time since the subway, felt his heart return to its normal 40 beats per minute. My God, what happened to you? A woman's voice said. Eleanor, from the Parisienne, was standing over him. Nothing, Alain said. You are leaking feathers. A squall of down floated in the air. How did that happen? she asked. She sat down on the cushion next to him. He smelt that she had put on perfume. There were men in the subway, Alain said. He shrugged. Eleanor's hand went to her open mouth. She was genuinely horrified. Then she slammed her fist into her leg. That bastard, Max! I knew he should have driven you here! He patted her leg. I appreciate this gesture coming all this way. It is something a true friend would do, he said. You're a guest in America. I would hope you'd do the same for me in France. Alain had been in Paris and seen the Americans, but he smiled as if to say, bien sûr. She stood up. Do you want something to drink? Do you need to see a doctor? No, 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 it's okay. Why did you come down to the hotel? Is it a long drive? he asked. I needed to get some air. I grew up on Rhode Island. I used to sail on Long Island Sound. When I need air, I need sea air. Alain nodded. Husband and wife uh, argue in France daily, call each other whores and bastards, then they kiss. We didn't get to the kiss part. Alain shifted on the couch, and a jet of four feathers puffed out to float in the air between them. Did you see the Statue of Liberty? she asked. Alain shook his head. Eleanor stood up. Wait here. He watched her walk over to the front desk. She was still wearing the ski sweater from the car and a pair of tighter black wool pants he did not remember. She was pretty. She had deflated her hair into a girl's ponytail, but she walked like mothers he knew in France, determined, confident. He saw her talking with a man behind the desk. She turned back to Alain and motioned for him to come over. The man behind the desk had the precise hair of a daily trim. He looked from Alain to Eleanor and back again twice, as if guessing their weight or engagement. Vous êtes un athlete française, he said in badly inflected French. Oui, je suis un patineur de vitesse. The man nodded. Eleanor seemed impressed that Alain spoke French so well. And you were at the Olympics? the front desk man asked. Alain knew this was some kind of interrogation. He didn't know what Eleanor had said to the man, but he didn't want to let her down. He hadn't meant to show Eleanor, or anyone for that matter, the medal Perrine had won. 
If that was his intention, he would have pushed it into Max's face when he went on and on and on about baseball. But he wanted to wipe that smug look off the man in front of him. He pulled the medal out of his coat and held it towards the man. The front desk attendant backed away, surprised by the talisman. God, he said, losing all decorum. He recovered, smiled, and extended a hand to shake with Alain. Is that gold? No, bronze. God, the man said, it looks like gold. He handed a key to Eleanor. 25th floor. The shifts change at 11.30. She nodded and pulled Alain by the hand towards the elevators. I simply told him you were a French athlete from the Olympics and you wanted to see the Statue of Liberty and this was your only chance, she said. There is a bar? There are Liberty Suites with a view of the statue. I told him we just wanted to see one as you were coming back in the summer. I am, Alain said. Okay, that was a lie, she said. The elevator rose quickly, and the 25th floor bell rang. I said your family was old money in France. It was perfect when you started speaking French down there. But that's not really a lie, because you could be. The Liberty Suite was the largest hotel room Alain had ever seen. He was accustomed to the two stars in Montmartre, when his parents had taken him to Paris to experience all things great and French. A floor-to-ceiling wall of glass faced south, down New York Harbor, to the well-let Verdegree lady standing with her torch in the winter ocean air. And I went straight to the windows and pressed his face against them to stare at her. Even at this distance, she was more than he thought she would be. Perhaps it was the contrast from those tiny spectroscopic views he had had for years. He looked down at Perrine's medal, at the hand holding the torch. Eleanor came over with a telescope. The Liberty Suites come with one, she said, and a jacuzzi, and I think there's a piano in the bedroom. And then lifted the telescope to scan the statue. He could see the implacable expression on her face, a sternness, a reproach almost, as if to chastise all those nations whose perfidy forced their citizens to flee. He trained his telescope on the tablet in her left hand. July 4, 1776, it read in Roman numerals. He swayed up to the torch. Charlotte Bartholdi was the model for the sculpture, Alain said. It was called Liberty Enlightening the World. I guess he slept with her. The artist, I mean. They all did, didn't they? Eleanor said. I don't think so, Alain said. The sculpture was Frédéric Bartholdi. Charlotte was his mother. The woman of the statue was older than he had thought. She was truly a mother. The French would do that. While the United States of America idealized young girls, France knew there was beauty in experience. She was a solid woman, strong and sad. Henri Miller had said the most beautiful prostitutes were the saddest ones. He brought the telescope back down. We should go then, Anna said. Eleanor shrugged. You're the Marquis of Mount Olympus to the man at the front desk. I don't think he will chase us out. It's eleven o'clock. You can have another twenty minutes. Alain stood in the middle of the room, between the expanse of windows 
and the L-shaped sectional couch. Come and see the statue with me, he said. They stood together and stared at Liberty. A cruise liner strung with long, looping lights slipped down the dark harbor past the statue. Eleanor let herself truly stare for once, without trying to think of other things, about what to do next, about her next responsibility, to just enjoy the freedom of not thinking. Liberty enlightening the world. It made her smile. As she smiled, Alain leaned over and kissed her gently on one cheek. She drew back in surprise. He used his hand to direct her head to the other side so he could kiss her other cheek. It was the most tender kiss she had received in 15 years. She closed her eyes and found his mouth and kissed him back. One part of freedom was just doing and not thinking. She kissed him back towards the couch. There her hand was on his face, his hand on her shoulder, and how quickly the rational melted away. His hand on her bare back, her hand on his jeans, slipping inside the waistband and finding the buttons, and somehow his pants opened and his penis popped out full of athletic energy. They were both quite surprised by it. She stopped kissing him and turned to his lap. It was long and thin like a ski pole. Perhaps men's things took on the shape of their sport. She thought of how Max's penis was thick and knobby like a baseball bat. The sight of this straight white column, so young and long, held her. So this was the precipice, she realized. This was where the line was drawn. All of the not thinking and melting and whatever she had had in her head stopped here. She didn't take her eyes from his lap. It was strangely beautiful. She could not remember any other man's penis, how it was always dark and fumbly and those days were so long ago. There was just Max's and now this French skater's. Elin reached into his lap and held his penis by the base, standing it up as if offering it to her for one flash second. He held himself to tuck it into his pants. Eleanor sat back into the folds of the couch, looking up to the ten-foot ceilings, and closed her eyes. She sighed. You can never forget you're married, she said, as much as you want to. Elena stroked her cheek. It is okay. I want to thank you so much, she said. For putting it away? She smiled. No, not really for that. For giving me a bridge. A bridge, Anna said. You're not married, right, Anna? No. Marriage is not a house or a singular place. It's an archipelago. Do you know what that is? He nodded. It is the same word. Marriage is an archipelago of islands, and you and your husband or wife journey from one island to the next. A bridge connects each island to another. Some couples stay on one island, and pretty soon they've seen everything there is and eaten all the food. They're bored. They're starved. Sometimes one person crosses the bridge and the other one doesn't. Now you are separated. If you're more than two islands away, you can't find each other and are likely to be lost forever. 
This is your theory? There are islands for each stage, she said. Newlywed, babies, seven-year itches, others. You have to find the bridge, or you have to make one for yourself. Elaine pulled her up from the couch, and they walked back over to the window where Liberty stood alone on her island. You have to help each other move from island to island, or else... But people don't have the stomach for it anymore. They just take a flight out once it gets hard. But it'll always get hard. So I helped you. It was temptation. Kissing like we did. I suppose that is infidelity. But once I saw your... Saw it. I almost. But I didn't. I chose to work at it and go drag Max with me across the bridge. There was a tear in the corner of her eye. And I reached up for it, but she moved away from him. Please, please don't be any nicer to me, she said. Elan turned off the light by the door, and as he shut it in the darkness, it seemed as if Liberty was standing in the room by herself, staring straight at him. I didn't win this medal, Elan said to her. Shh, she said. I wanted you to know that. It is not mine. Shh, she said. I finished fourth in every race. They stood in the hallway. She smiled at him. Facts and truth have nothing to do with each other, Eleanor said. They drove through the night and past the white rounded Adirondack Range to Lake Placid. The next morning, she called Max from a phone booth outside a golf station. She cradled a bad coffee that somehow tasted wonderful. She told Max she had slept at her mother's. They'd have pork chops for supper. Don't be late. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fresh New Shorts. If you enjoyed this story, please rate us five stars wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find the book, A Physicist Guide to Love, by John Blackmore, on Amazon.com, .ca, or your country site. Please subscribe and come back to listen to us again.